You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards, from Denver, Colorado. And I'm Matt Duncan out of Gelsenkirchen, in Germany. And we thrive on the support of our listeners, so head to sunriserobot.net slash support and find some ways you can help us out. So, episode 54, here we are. Yeah, an even number. At, special. At nine times six, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, we got to start with those math shenanigans. <laughs> Multiplication tables is uh, the other topic. Yeah. And we do have some follow-up, uh, more about clients for listening to music. You got some Google Play complaints. Yeah. No, it's just two things that I forgot to mention last time. Um, one of them a good thing and one of them a bad thing. Um, although the, the duplicates thing I mentioned last time, so still got a lot of duplicates in my music library. Like every day I want to listen to some artist, I just hit play the album. First thing, uh, first song ends. First song starts again. I'm like, ah, oh, now that's the version from my library. And it's just one second shorter, so they don't match it up. So Google, please start fuzzing your matching algorithm. Those are, those are two, the two of the same songs. So please match them up and remove those that I have already. Um, but the good thing is, um, I've always complained about, um, not being able to hit the shish kebab menu when I'm using the mobile client of Spotify. And for some reason, the Google Play Music shish kebab menu is way easier to tap. Like, I've only had it once that I missed it. Um, so far, it's been good. And I just like, in general, there are options of queuing things. So uh, as I explained, usually I just start with one song and then I just start building on my queue. Uh, I never really hit on a song to to want to play it directly unless it's the yeah. first <laughs> song before I even started playback. And they got, like, options to... Uh, to put it to the end of the queue or to just play it next. So sometimes I find a song I'm like, yeah, I want to listen to that one next. Like I queued up 10 songs, but I want that one next and I can just move it up in the queue. And it's so easy to build playlists with uh, playlists with that. I just love it. <laughs> I have a little Apple music follow up and that's, uh, I, I feel like we off air talked about this a little bit, but uh, there's some new APIs that Apple added with iOS 9.3 that lets third party apps modify playlists and add songs. And uh, someone has already taken this um, and and built an app called Song Shift. And there's probably some clones out there too by now, um, where you sign into Spotify and you give it access to Apple Music, and then I can with just a couple taps copy over my Discover playlist. Um, since I don't pay for Spotify anymore, I can only listen to that on desktop. Um, I can only choose what to listen to on desktop. Um, so now I can just port that over and it's like 99% accurate. Every once in a while it like misses a song and I have a 29 song list and I just figure out which song was missing and find it. But, um, so it's even easier to not pay for Spotify if, if you happen to not prefer it's, um, or in my case, I'm just saving money by doing the family plan, but, um, really nice to have that API take care of that for me. Because I was spending every Monday morning, you know, five minutes searching and adding songs. Like an animal. Well, now you got to <laughs> automate the task of finding that one song it didn't catch. <laughs> yeah. Start on that. Yeah, and then uh, last week we talked a lot about micro genres and meme genres and vaporwave and... Um, 
little related to that, Lars challenged me to do some vaporwave mixes. I didn't remember. I, I think it was because he just, um, just out of uh, ass and giggles, he just wanted to make some vaporwave inspired graphics and like those cheesy, cheesy 90s graphics. And he was like, man, just we should just put some music on that and see if it works on YouTube. And so he challenged me to just go ahead and do some vaporwave. Uh, so I opened up Ableton, um, loaded in a bunch of synthesizers, put them all through a saturator and the low pass filter. So we get that tape, old tape sound, uh, really dis distorted and, uh, It's surprisingly easy to make some vaporwave. Um, I'm not saying that the ones, uh, the songs that I produced sound good or that people would enjoy them, but they do sound a little bit like vaporwave. And the fun thing is that the, I wanted to put some vocals in there, some vocal samples. And the only ones I had lying around were those uh, sound files from Tomb Raider 2 and 3 on my PC, because <laughs> uh, I recently downloaded those games from GOG. And so uh, I made some Vaporcroft, and which we called it. Um, uh, so far, we're up to three songs. I still have, uh, or at least I have um, a few which I haven't uploaded yet. So um, I get a little playlist, which I'm going to fill up later this week. Um, not all of those songs are actually Vaporwave. Some of them are more dubstep inspired. And I have to say that I'm really not good at making dubstep. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I had a little fun with that. Um, and it's it's nice to just every once in a while do some fun stuff with music. Like just um, do some stupid music where you, you just say, I'm not even going to try to think about what I'm doing. Just just letting it all out. Yeah. Just just vent all, all those like, crazy ideas that you have. And sometimes you can revisit them later and be like, hey, that melody was actually kind of cool or that, that synth effect or something like that. So um I'm already listening to some of those tracks and be like, yeah, this this little aspect I can use that in an actual song, which is not completely shitty. <laughs> so with the Tomb Raider content, I even though we're not a gaming podcast, I have to complain for a second. Like, can you even handle those games anymore? Like, do you have nostalgia goggles on? Because the controls, um, if you don't remember, are very tank controls. <laughs> yeah. Up um, is forward for Lara, no matter where the camera is. I haven't been, I haven't ever been proficient at those games. I used to have Tomb Raider 3 and 2 on the PlayStation. I never finished even a single level, although I had like a save file for every level, uh, from yeah. friends or from like a disc from a magazine that had all the save files on them. But yeah, <laughs> I usually just activated cheats and ran through those uh, games um, my friend mike though he's very good at them he knows them by heart he knows every secret um since we're on a side project like doing those like um um redubbing those games like every we're exchanging all the sound effects all the music and then we're going to record the gameplay and we only do that with games that we are good at so he's actually very good <laughs> at playing those games he doesn't need a walk through he's just running through them oh man Two things I hate, and then we can move on to music topics. <laughs> is one that the jump timing is so hard. It like you really, it's almost like Prince of Persia, but without any of the frame perfect um, stuff you can do. Because you have to jump right at the edge of edges yeah. a lot, and you fall a lot. Yeah. And the other thing is you have to actually press a button to catch ledges, which <laughs> I find to be completely stupid. Too. Micromanaging your acrobatics. You're playing Twister on the controller. <laughs> <laughs> all, all right, right. on to the w show <laughs> with our flipping tables titles out of the way 
although still gaming related, um, this fun little video showed up on YouTube um, of a guy who I think is also a um, competitive Smash Bros. player um, jazz drumming to a Super Smash Bros. Melee uh, battle or, or game. Um, you can see like uh, the, the gameplay, you can see the, the camera on the players on the right and then he like put himself in the top uh, in the bottom right corner playing uh, in sync to the game and it, it starts out with like he's always carrying that right beat like but then every hit you see every movement and everything is just he has a hit for that and uh, <laughs> like little percussion elements on the side i i really love uh when he does the fox laser gun like it's yeah. just lovely to watch <laughs> Very, very fun and really a sister meme to the jazz guitar over yes. someone talking thing. Yeah, they <laughs> nice should get together. Some... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see more of that. Um, just goes to show what we talked about last uh, episode about how um, there are more and more music memes now showing up and uh, used to be just text, video, uh, text and, and images. Then it came to video and now it's more and more music. And I really love seeing that. We got some new musician tools, uh, web-based tools in, uh, to talk about this week. And they all have the hub because everything has to be like GitHub. Welcome um, to Hub Corner. <laughs> um, the first one we'll talk about is BandHub. If you go to BandHub.com, you'll see uh, you know, a stream of songs you can on a search box. And the idea behind BandHub is to make it easy to uh, create lo-fi collaborative songs with people i suppose it doesn't have to be lo-fi because you can still hook up an audio interface but um i I think it's clearly targeting like people with webcams that just want to play music over top of other people's clips but um kind of what happens is it's very focused on cover so you might search for one of your favorite songs and see oh i see someone has played you know laid down the rhythm guitar but we still need bass and percussion and maybe someone to sing it so i can grab one of those parts and just turn my webcam on and play along with it. And uh, the person who initiates the song, I believe uh, they have a term for who, like the master of the song. Um, they can assemble the clips and then you get one of those YouTube videos um, with all the different pa- like Brady Bunch ba- panels um, <laughs> of everyone playing along. And it's, you know, it seems kind of fun. I immediately searched for uh, Sufjan and uh, found a cover of Chicago that had a really nice guitar and uh, well, I, I shouldn't call this person out because people can search and find it. But um, there was a recorder player, and it just sounded really off pitch and really <laughs> bad. And then the vocals were all right. And <laughs> this website really got me interested in doing cover songs again, which I used to do, where I Brady bunched myself into the video. Um, <laughs> and but what you just mentioned with the flute or with the recorder player, um, this is one of the reasons why. Even then, even if I get back into that, I would still uh, prefer like getting together with my friends or my musician friends and be like, hey, can you record that drum part for me? I can't record the drums or I just I'm not able to play that particular part um, because I I wouldn't want to be the guy who's like, yeah, thanks for your submission, but it sucks. I don't like it. I'd rather get another person because then that person would be like, yeah, but it's just about the fun. And I'm like, no, I want to get a good result. Uh, it's like you have to bridge that gap somehow. You, you don't want to be really anal about every single note. But then again, there, there, there should be like a, a threshold at which, uh, which you have to reach. So. I led you into my collaboration and I just feel like, um, I, I got enough musician friends who I'm like, 
if I give him this part, he will be able to play that, and I know that. Otherwise, I wouldn't ask him. Um, yeah. But other than that, I really enjoy this website. Um, I'm I'm gonna browse this this afternoon. I'm gonna browse some songs on there. Um, I already searched for Animal Collective, and I was let down. There's no Animal Collective covers on there because I want to <laughs> see Natalie like, and Bruglia, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, I want to see the the complicated stuff. I want to. I don't want to see like those pop songs, which just like four chords and one singer. And I want to see some complicated stuff on there. Um, what I don't like about the website is they have some kind of annoying grassroots marketing campaign. Um, if you, if you check this website at the top right, it says received an invitation, log in. And yes, I have received invitations. Um, I don't know how it works on their side, how they show up on my channel, but usually it's, um, I get a notification or an email that I get a comment on one of my videos, uh, mostly one of my cover videos. And it's like, yeah, um, hey, you want to do a collaboration on Bandhub on the song, blah, blah, blah. And then it's a link to their website. And I usually only see like the first 10 words before it cuts off with an ellipsis. So I check that YouTube video and the comment is not there. Because I assume that they are spamming so much that YouTube just removes them by itself. And um, I assume that it's just they, they give you an option to search on YouTube for videos and just hit a button to post that comment on there because it's usually on my Mokwai cover or um, uh, which is the other one thrice the song my thrice that I covered and it's always a song by that particular artist so um, I really hate seeing that happen on the other hand it got me uh, onto that service so yeah I'm split it's annoying but it works uh, but I guess that just that is marketing and advertising it's annoying but it works <laughs> It works up to a point. Um, yeah, I, I really don't see this. This is not like a serious collaboration tool like that. Uh, what was the name of that thing that was like a Dropbox for musicians? Uh, that was like Splice. Yeah, it manages versions and like that's more of a professional collaboration tool. Yeah. This is really, I really think it's the webcam YouTube selfie generation kind of. It's the just, just chip it version. Yeah, I just want to play some songs, and we're not we're not trying to produce this for serious. Um, but I am. Um, no, I'm. <laughs> it's just fun. Meryl. Meryl. <laughs> um, so in the list of hub apps that have to all come out together, uh, we have also have Submit Hub, and um, I'm really intrigued by this. I'm going to let you explain it, but it, it really helps solve, hopefully, helps solve one of the most annoying problems in the internet era. Yeah, which is submitting songs or releases to blogs. Um, every time I'm close to releasing something, um, last time it was my EP in December, I, um, yeah, of course I have to think about, do I, do I just submit it to a thousand blogs on the internet? But then that's such a, such a hassle. It's all manual work because there isn't a, a, um, an interface to just submit it to everyone. Even if you go through Hypem, which everybody says like, start on Hypem, collect some blogs and then submit it to them. Yeah, every blog has different guidelines, a different process. Some of them have forms on their website. Some of them want an email. Some of them want it shipped to their SoundCloud inbox. And like, it takes such a long time just to submit it to one blog and you don't even know if you get a reaction. Like, not even if you get featured, but if you even get a reaction. And so SubmitUp kind of wants to, um, yeah, make, ease, ease that process. Um, you don't have to look up any email addresses anymore. You just have to, Hit submit and it will, and you, you like choose uh, the blocks and it submits it to them. 
and then you even get feedback if you want to. Um, so, um, that, that's why I discovered them. Somebody on Reddit posted, uh, some feedback, uh, they got from, from one of those blogs, which tore them apart, but they were still, um, happy that they even got any feedback at all. And, um, I'm really gonna take a look at this website once I release something, which will be happening in the next few months, probably. <laughs> um, already working on something new or old, I should say, not to want to spoil or anything. <laughs> but um yeah then again I'm going to revisit yeah adding stuff to blogs um because it's like you have this first of all you have to find the right blogs for your niche genre and then um yeah you have to find how do you submit and then there is a big crowd of people saying like yeah you always have to write a personal email like don't just cookie cutter email those people and I I don't have a music blog but I could see myself if I had a music blog I would just forego all those personal emails completely. I just click on the on the uh, um, attachment, although that's not a very safe thing to do. I just hit up the music that they sent me and listen to that. And if I like the song, then I'm going to read the email and be like, oh, so that's the backstory. Like, I don't want to have that before I listen to the song. That would take me ages. So just one easy interface to scroll through the music that has been submitted to me. And then we can talk. So yeah. I don't really, I'm I'm not sure if we've got any listeners who run a music blog, please tell me, do you actually like, be, are you actually happy about all those personal emails or um, do you just not care at all? Because I see myself not caring at all about that unless uh, after I've listened to the song and I'm interested in the song. Yeah, well, I mean, the hardest problem with this whole situation is the scarcity of good mp3 blogs and music blogs um ones with an audience um that that are big enough and then those those are so scarce that their time to spend listening is so small and if they need to you know if they're posting a song a day or you know somehow even way more than that i don't know how um I mean, it looks like this may help with some of that by streamlining the process of finding songs that are good by at least making it easy and less painful to listen to a dud and be like, oh, that didn't work out. But I had to dig through my email and click on the randomly different share links that all sorts of artists might be using and um, figure out how I'm listening. And then, you know, wading through all that can just be tedious. And so maybe this makes it easier on the blogs because it's like one interface. Here's all the submissions. Check yeah. them out. And um, also the monetary, like if they provide good timely feedback and don't copy and paste crap and um, that they actually can earn something by giving feedback. But I really like what's I, I kind of want to put on my skeptical hat and be like, will this really work? Because um, if there was real money to be earned, that system will be tested so hard for how much you can game <laughs> it. Um, from the, you know, blog side, at least there, like, um, submit hub is only accepting blogs that have 500 Facebook followers or more. Um, so they're trying to set a bar of like, you can't just set up a random blog and go, ha ha, now I'm going to earn money fake listening to people. <laughs> um, but you know, I feel like the, the incentives already exist for mu musicians cause they're, they want their stuff heard. They want to send it out and this just makes it a little easier the incentives that are hard to figure out are on the side of the blogs. What's going to make them stay here and spend time here? Yeah. And another hint for anybody who's in that phase right now of hitting up blogs and trying to get exposure on the internet about the new release. Um, 
there are a ton of YouTube music channels, just channels that upload music um, with a still image or with a little animation in the background. Usually it's like the waveform or frequency spectrum. And those are exploding everywhere. And um, like Lars usually gets requests of people using their pictures. And uh, I recently talked to a guy whose complete uh, um, business model of music is just, yeah, let everybody post it and even monetize their videos. I don't care. And he can live off of that. Um, off of the, the people who then still go and buy his music on iTunes or anywhere else. Um, or just watch or listen to them on his own YouTube channel, um, which he monetizes himself. Um, I personally wouldn't use it for, just for the reason that I don't, I, I want to have one and exactly one official video on YouTube with that song or the album on it. And so if somebody searches for it, I don't want to have like 10 results, which are all identical. I just want to funnel them to me, um, which is the reason why I personally wouldn't do it. But I still would recommend to anybody who doesn't have a problem with that. Um, just hit those channels up with like, um, let's say, 50,000 plus subscribers. I think that's where it starts to get like worthwhile, I guess. And there are a ton of those. Like 50,000 isn't hard to reach if you run such a channel I've seen. Um, so uh, <laughs> they will post your song. You just have to find one with the correct genre. I mean, most of them are like electronic based, but they're not limited to that. So uh, really hit those uh, up because uh, more and more music listening is happening on YouTube. And now with uh, YouTube Red even more, uh, although still the YouTube Red numbers aren't that huge. Um, we, we haven't talked about YouTube Red in a while uh, for the simple reason that I can't use it at all in Germany. <laughs> uh, have you had any um, contact with, with uh, YouTube I, Red? I, used, I had like a two-week trial when it launched that was free. And, uh, you know, if if I was interested in Google Play Music, I would totally go for it because you get YouTube Red automatically thrown in. Um, this is a classic case of Google US focused and kind yeah. of like middle fingers to the rest of the world. Like maybe we'll get to it eventually. Yeah. Um, so uh, I know Lions, maybe we should probably get a, a guest comment from Lions next episode about yeah. this. Um, I can give you some numbers though. Um, I, let, let me just, uh, calculate some percentages here. I'm just uh, checking our analytics. Uh, so how much, how many people are actually using YouTube Red? I don't know if they have some official numbers. But I can pretty much find out right now. So um, in the last month, um, we got about 0.5% of views have come from YouTube Red. Uh, yeah, watches. And the, our, our biggest audience is the US. So um, there is an audience for that. <laughs> Uh, so it's not that much, although I've been seeing like ads across the internet about YouTube Red. And now uh, some of my favorite channels are also doing specific ads in front of their videos for YouTube Red, um, which I'm okay with. Like I, I, I'm not against the service. It's like they're, they're promoting it everywhere, but apparently it doesn't catch on all that much. Um, well, let's see how that develops because, I mean, YouTube is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger throughout the years. So uh, maybe it's just the start. So big. So I threw in a secret extra topic that I remembered Ooh. I wanted to talk about. Um, and that's uh, as we record, this is a Monday, um, two days before release, uh, Radiohead has been erasing their internet presence. And so everyone thinks that they're about to drop their first new album in five years. Um, and it's uh, kind of interesting what's been happening. A, a Redditor noticed 
um, that their website was the opacity of the site was going down like throughout the day. And so um, by the end of the day, like literally in the CSS, the opacity was being turned down until now. It's just a blank white site with nothing on it. And then uh, the people have also noticed their social media accounts. Tom York's been deleting his tweets. Their Google Plus page is blank now. Um, everything's sort of been gradually erased from their <laughs> entire presence online. And so this probably has something to do with them finally releasing their new album. Um, they, they've been no stranger to shenanigans like this before. Um, most notably in rainbows being pay what you want when that was kind of a novelty. Um, and in 2011 with King of limbs, they had like a, a literal newspaper edition of their album. And so you got a Radiohead newspaper <laughs> with your album. Um, so I, as a Radiohead fan, I'm super excited. Um, fans also received mysterious flyers uh, with uh, the words, sing a song of sixpence that goes, burn the witch, we know where you live. <laughs> so very ominous, very strange. Um, so everyone's kind of waiting at, as of recording time, hoping that we just get a, a big drop of wonderful new music. Yeah. Love to hear that. I just uh, <laughs> just saw your note here at uh, at three eighteen p.m. Eastern time. Their Google Plus page has now gone blank. <laughs> Biggest impact in the whole marketing <laughs> event. <Yeah. laughs> uh, oh, Google Plus. All right, coming back to YouTube, we've got a little bit a little talk about content ID, which is also slightly related to music aspects because a lot of content ID happening uh, content IDing is happening because of music content in YouTube videos. So, a brief summary of what is what is content ID. Um there are two major ways of handling copyright infringement uh, problems on YouTube. One of which is just submitting a copyright report or a copyright flag. Um, if you see a video that uses some of your content, you have to fill out a form, which you actually have to fill out manually every time, where you just have to submit a form and then it gets reviewed. Sometimes it takes a day, sometimes it takes five days, and then the video either gets removed or they uh, yeah, find out, oh, that was not a correct copyright claim, so you don't get anything. Uh, the other way is the content ID system, which works automatically. Um, you pretty much um, upload some content to their system, and then they match it to all the videos, um, yeah, uploaded to YouTube. Like they have got a fingerprint matching algorithm there. And when they detect some media, which, uh, uses some of your content, you get to basically choose what happens with that content. So I got some content ID, uh, flags on my videos, on those cover videos by Mogwai or Thrice. Or, and usually what happens, uh, what I've seen is they then monetize the video for themselves. So, there are ads running on that video and the money goes to them, which I'm okay with. It's not my song. I don't care. I would have made like $20 cents for that. I don't care. Um, the other way is they get to take it down completely or take it down in, in certain regions on the internet. And then there is, uh, they just prohibit you from advertising on the video. They, they leave it up, but you can't monetize it. So, yeah. um, that's usually what happens. Uh, there is a lot of false flagging happening on Content ID still. Uh, there is a lot of ways people are trying to circumvent it by putting filters on the videos, by mirroring the videos. I think by now YouTube has caught on to that and built in some more fuzzy algorithm, uh, which means that they still get a lot more false positives. And yeah. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, usually um, content people hate content ID. I see a reason for it being there. It's just the implementation is yeah not the best. Well, it's a it's a classic Google implementation because it's completely automated and there's no humans involved, which is great for scale. Yeah, um, and is part of why Google is amazing at so many of the things they do. But um, in this case, it's frustrating because it you know this machine does not have any context for fair use and and before an update which we'll discuss soon about some changes that they've made um you know what could happen is you, you know if popular you know million subscriber youtuber releases a video and content id goes haha that's someone else's content stops like puts the brakes on everything in terms of monetizing and this person who may be relying on youtube for income gets nothing and even if they dispute it and they fix it and whatever um all that revenue is gone and there's a change that we'll talk about in a minute um but uh what was amazing about this jimquisition video and him explaining his process since he's funded through patreon and he wants his videos to be ad free um he just discovered he could pit content id uh, people against each other. So he would just throw in Konami and Nintendo and some other footage, even into completely unrelated videos and found that this would make, you know, if any of the claimants said no monetization is allowed, then that was the end of it. And there would no, be no ads, which was what he wanted. Yeah. Um, but if you actually want ads, you're just kind of screwed. Um, and so it's very frustrating. But the, the biggest irony of the Jimquisition situation, which it's worth watching this video because he's hilarious, um, <laughs> is uh, he had to, quote, infringe more to get the desired result. Um, even though he, he believes, and I think he has good reason to believe, all his use of other companies' content is fair use. Short clips for, you know, transformative, for commentary, for parody, etc. Um, very traditionally fair use enshrined in US law, very well kind of things. And uh, doesn't matter. Um, content ID has a mind of its own and it's completely automated and was just kind of steamrolling over this. And it's just kind of ironic that he's like, well, if I infringe on more things, <laughs> then we're good. Yeah. Um, At least he gets what he wants at free videos. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and there's also, you know, if you watch his video, skip to the middle for the fuck Konami news. <laughs> um, very yeah, usually that's at the end. I, it's, you, you watch one of his videos and it goes to the end. You move the cursor and you see, oh wait, the, the search bar, the seek bar on the button. It has got two minutes left. Oh, there's going to be some fuck Konami news at the end. <laughs> um, so yeah. what did Google announce, um, to sort of address some of these? You know, not to address all of this, but to address at least the monetization pain. They announced some common sense, which everybody was asking for for more than a year or two years. Um, finally, what they have implemented is the following. So I upload a video. Um, maybe it's in fair use. Maybe I've infringed on some rights, whatever. I get content ID'd. And um, let's say I run ads on that video. They wouldn't stop the ads, which they also didn't do before. But now the money doesn't go directly to the claimant, but they keep it in a in a third party account or like on a side account. They they continue collecting money and having it on the books, but um, they're keeping it until that dispute is settled. So either until the claimant says, "Oh, okay, um, sorry, fair use," or whatever, they pull out. Or if it turns out that yes, actually, I infringed on some right that on on some rights. And then the money goes to them. 
So that is, in my eyes, a big step. And other people's eyes are just a small step, but I think that already solves, or should solve a lot of the problems of just, I call them scammers going around content IDing some content and just basically yeah. being able to live off of that. Probably like, um, there are some lawyers on the internet who live off of, um, like suing people for not having an imprint on their website, which I don't know if that is, uh, the case in, in the US, but in Germany, we have some laws that you always have to have a special kind of imprint on your website. And if you don't have that, people could technically sue you. And yeah, it's a shitty situation. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, that should be reduced now because um those scammers, they can't rely on actually getting the money they're claiming because um they're not getting it in the first place until the dispute is settled. And if they don't have an actual claim to the content, they're not getting that money. Um I don't have any statistics on how many disputes get settled in which way, but just in, in my eyes, that, that should be almost settled now. Yeah, here's the frustrating thing. I mean, it, it's kind of mind blowing they didn't have this already a long time ago because serving ads is Google's business, and you'd think they'd want to be serving ads as much as possible at all times. And so yeah. you don't want disputes to completely, you know, miss the boat on the first you know few days of a new video where yeah. it probably gets a first lot of views. Hours are most important. Um, unless you have a long tail, something that just kind of submarines for a while and then blows up later, but that's probably much rarer. Um, the, the problem I would have with this is the burden is still on the video submitter to react. And if you have a popular channel or if you regularly deal with commentary using clips of other stuff, you can look forward to fighting this every single time. And yeah. how much of your life do you want to spend dis filing disputes? Yeah. Um, whereas the scammers, you know, assuming they can spread their net wide enough, maybe business will still continue as usual and they just concede that when someone challenges them, they'll give it up. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I, th I think a lot of the large companies like Nintendo and Konami just have auto, like they set one setting and they forget about it. Like Definitely. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the whole point of content ID. You just upload your material once, set the rules for that, and then you just sit back and uh, it automatically gets claimed. And then sometimes people react to it, or maybe all the time. I don't know. I don't know the numbers. I usually, uh, when I got a content ID claim, I'm just like, yeah, accept, because I am not going to contest this. Uh, of course, it's not my song. I don't care. Um yeah. And it has never so far happened to me with actually original content. So far, all the content ID claims that I've gotten were legitimate and I had to agree with them. Um, Lars hasn't gotten any wrong content ID claims at all, um, which he shouldn't get. So um, we haven't had that <laughs> made that uh, experience yet of a false content flag, um, either be content ID or just a regular copyright uh, report. Um, now, before that whole thing with uh, YouTube was announced um, and on the Jim Quisition uh, Reddit thread, somebody had an idea of um, just, let's say, opening up that uh, scheme that Jim had discovered uh, that somebody should just um, upload some content on, on Content ID and set it to not monetize and then give everybody that clip to use in his videos. So every video gets automatically Content ID'd with that particular clip. And everybody can make use of this uh, copyright data. Oh, anytime you don't yeah. want to have monetization. Right. Yeah. Um, there, there are some hurdles. Um, 
it's not easy. It's it's not like you just sign up for Content ID. You have to prove to them that you have a reason to be on there. You like they have to um, show them a certain catalog of things that you own the exclusive rights to. Or maybe you just have to be a big YouTuber. Um, we actually uh, yeah. we, we're in the talks of getting in there because I had to claim, not claim, but I had to actually report a lot of videos in the last few weeks of people just re-uploading Lars's videos, sometimes with filters on them. Still found them, uh, but it's such <laughs> a manual work. I don't. I hate seeing doing it. So first of all, you have to get somebody who is actually already in there to to collaborate on that. Uh, then you have to make the video, distribute to everyone, and then hope that YouTube isn't like, nah, not with us. You can't do that. Like you're <laughs> obviously gaming the system here. As you said, they have a they have an incentive to advertise, and this whole scheme only works if you're in the ad free business. If you're like funded through Patreon, if you still rely on ads, you're not gonna gain anything. The only thing you can gain is saying fuck you to the companies who want to monetize <laughs> your content. Yeah, um, yeah, and the whole fair use problem is then still not solved. Uh, there are a lot of content. Uh, uh, there, there's a lot of content on YouTube that falls under fair use. Now the problem with fair use is everybody's handling it like. Like, yeah, you can't claim my video. It's fair use. Fair use is only something you can um, apply when you're already in court. Yeah, it's a it's a test in courts, and so I mean, it's a set of principles that you can follow and abide by. But you don't really know unless the judge is ruling yeah, on you, unless you're really challenging it. Um, but on the other hand, there should be a system, and I know that there is a small group which Jim is actually a part of on YouTube, where YouTube has said um, if you guys have any problem with copyright infringement and fair use problems that are obviously uh, where you're on the right side, we're going to back you up with our lawyers. Um, but obviously that group is very small. Um, so if they actually ever implement a system where you could get your uh, channel confirmed to be in line with fair use, like you regularly upload videos, they're of certain kind, they always have... A, uh, some portion of other people's content, which is a uh, fair use, that they just flag your channel as, uh, if in doubt, the YouTuber is right. And then if somebody really has a problem, they can actually look into it. Because, they're, yeah. yeah, as Jimquisition, everything's fair use, um, but he still gets claims on every single video. He has to deal with it in every single video. That's irritating. I think one of the other big problems is... YouTube just has no competition. They don't like they they have to avoid alienating their huge YouTube stars that have millions of users. But beyond that, um where are they going to go? They're going to Vimeo Pro it up? Like probably not. Now. And um so what do you do? And I mean one of these models is the, the Patreon model if they can get their funding secured outside of YouTube, then they don't have to care so much about um, yeah. how it works on YouTube. Um, but I do find it hilarious that these kind of like civil disobedience methods of like, <laughs> let's get some small piece of content that will be no monetization. And then every single video will just like be a middle finger to every other content owner. <laughs> and I kind of love that because that's the kind of thing that will force action from Google. If they discover yeah. that all their biggest YouTubers are basically turning up zero ad revenue, then that'll get Google's attention very fast. Yeah. And clearly it's, it has started to get their attention. Picks of the week. Picks of the week. You're first. Uh, all right, I'll go first. 
Uh, my pick of the week uh, could be a long lost postal service song, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but it's it's by the artist Faded Paper Figures, and the song is called Lost Stars. And let's just listen to it. There were still foothills and fires and breakdowns on the runways. I wanted to run. give you a taste of everything there except for the a very very nice bridge section to this song um but you know what drew me in right away to the song was that warbling tremolo uh, just a very very hypnotic synth that just kind of warmly uh, saunters by every once in a while what did you think of this song I loved it. Um, I I love the mix first. And before we talk about the composition, I love the mix. It's, it's very crisp and it has that saturation to it where it's even crisper. I love <laughs> me some crisps. Uh, it's just lovely to listen to. And then just now in the sample again, I noticed that uh, there is a lot of slight noise on the guitar, uh, like a lot of wetness. And I like hearing my guitars being played, like actually hearing the sliding noise. Um, in some contexts, uh, you want to avoid, you want to avoid that, but usually I, I really like hearing that noise. Uh, for other people, it's like, uh, like scratching on a chalkboard. Um, I also love the warbly synth, uh, but the bass is what carried me throughout the track. Uh, it's just, it's not very percussive, but it has like that short decay and also a little bit of saturation on it. Um, the vocals are, Almost too breathy for me, but still all right. Still all right. No complaints here. But yeah, that yeah. bridge, that bridge that will be coming up later in the song. You really have to listen to the full song to. Yeah, I didn't want to spoil it because no, you, sure. You, you need to build. You need that build up before the bridge. Yeah. Um, so very solid track. Uh, I didn't really wasn't able to find too much else by this group, so I was kind of eager to see if they could bottle lightning more than once. Um, but this this song is good enough on its own. So how was your pick of the week? My pick of the week is, and I'm going to try to not English accent that German now. Um, my pick of the week is <laughs> Grauzone der Weg zu Zweit, uh, which translates to uh, yeah, gray area, uh, which is the artist, and uh, the path as two or the path as a couple. Um, the band's from Switzerland and they were only active for about two years, like around 1980 to 1982. Uh, they like disbanded after maybe 10 concerts and a few smaller releases and they, I think, have been collected to the Sunrise so Tapes. You're yes. saying we've probably never heard of them. <laughs> you've probably never heard of them, yeah. Um, I almost also probably ne have, would have never heard of them because they were before my time, but... Um, yeah, they had a little bit of success during the, the new German wave, uh, wave here in Germany, um, from the department of redundancy department. Um, I feel like the song, it's very minimalist, minimalistic song. And, but I still feel like you could release that song today, uh, like recorded with a better technology, but not change a lot. And it would still feel 
it's it would still retain its timelessness for me. Um, so let's just have a little bit of Der Weg zu zweit. Yeah, a lot of repetition going on, but it's just lovely. So what did you think of the song? It's a four chord song. Yay. <laughs> um, I Welcome just, my... to New German Wave. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of repetition, but it's that kind of song where like, you know, it starts you off with a, a solid riff and then it just carries in layers and um, lets, you know, you just kind of let it sink into you more and more as you keep listening. Um, I, I enjoyed this track. I Very, very nice. Um, the vocals were kind of low in the mix and a like a little muffled, but I also wonder if I'm just biased for like hearing my own language. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Our, our consonants, they're very hard. So uh, you can bury the vocals and you can still kind of understand what's being said, which I have to say is perfectly fine for the aesthetic here. Like it, it's not weird that the vocals no, yeah. are buried at all. Um, but I was, part of me was like, man, I kind of want a little more to sink my teeth into with that. <laughs> um, but, uh, Very enjoyable track. Yeah, as always, you can find those in our Spotify playlist, although we're still both not on Spotify anymore. Um, <laughs> But we're keeping that we'll, list going. We'll wait one and a half months. Maybe I'm going to change back. I'm not sure yet. Uh, but you can find all the show notes on sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 54. And for the rest of the rundown for the end, here's Mike. Ah, <laughs> uh, Yes. So while you're looking at our show notes, you should subscribe in your favorite podcatcher, which I hate that word podcatcher. But basically, if you have an app for listening to podcasts, um, you should subscribe to our show. And that way you get new episodes automatically every two weeks. And then on your commute or wherever you are, you can listen very conveniently. Um, I like to use an app for iOS called Overcast.fm. And if you're on Android, you could use Podcast Attic or Pocket Cast or even Google Play Music Podcasts if you're in the U.S., um, and then you can just search for bits and pieces or search for Sunrise Robot, which uh, we actually have a new master feed that has all Sunrise Robot shows together in one feed. So you can get your flipping tables on and then switch right to bits and pieces uh, the next day. Um, me and Matt both love feedback and we're both on Twitter and maybe we'll be on talkshow.im eventually, but who knows. Um, but for now... Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I'm at pseudo Michael, S U D O Michael. And Matt, you are at Ecolox, E C H O L O X. And if you'd like to support us directly, uh, we have a Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash sunrise robot, you can pledge dollars to our network, which helps us keep the lights on in the, the uh, digital tape rolling, the SSD uh, recording. <laughs> And with that, depending on the level you support us, you get your name mentioned at the end of every Sunrise Robot show or just flipping tables if you're a, <laughs> a lower level. Um, and with that, we want to give special thanks to Benji Robinson and Carolyn Kraut for being our super ultra amazing uh, Radiohead supporters. All right. See you next time. Mm -hmm.